0: Welcome to a podcast from a live church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged, and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. You know, I'm uh, I'm excited to be part of a church, a body of believers uh, who is ready to grasp and ready to understand and start to understand more of what it is uh, to, uh, to to have the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, just a bit of a recap for uh, for those. Uh, Or for those of you who perhaps uh, haven't been here, uh, who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, What does he do? And what does that mean for me? Good questions. Good questions. I'm glad you asked. Uh, The Holy Spirit then. The first thing is, it's important to note that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He, He is not a force like in Star Wars, you know, like an inanimate force. Uh, I sometimes think that we can uh, think that by calling him the Holy Spirit, which sounds quite inanimate, doesn't it? But the Holy Spirit is a person. He is one of the members of the Trinity, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each one fully and equally God. Uh, get your head around that if you can. And, uh, and, and so the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit has been around since, uh, since creation, as with the Father and the Son. We read in, uh, in Genesis 1:2. 2, uh, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, that's the Holy Spirit, uh, was hovering over the waters. Cool. Been around a long time. So the Holy Spirit has been, uh, been active and been present uh, throughout human history and uh, through the Old Testament uh, came to specific people at specific times to accomplish specific things. But now since the day of Pentecost, since Jesus uh, uh, um, was, uh, died on the cross, resurrected again, came back, and then, uh, and then sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is now available to every one of us, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit right, can sometimes be a bit overlooked, I think, and I know I myself am guilty of this, so I'm just gonna be real for a bit. Well, the whole thing's real. <laughs> but I'm just gonna be, uh, be honest. And um, when I first gave my life to Jesus and I, and I first learned about what he'd done for me on the cross and uh, what he'd done for me personally, um, I, I gave my life to Jesus. I, accept, I accepted him as my Lord and my savior. And then I could get on board, I understood God the Father and I understood uh, God the, the Son, uh, Jesus. But I was never really too clear on the Holy Spirit, who the Holy Spirit was. And, uh, and to be honest, I kind of thought it was a bit odd. To be honest, I thought it was a bit odd. Uh, I didn't really uh, understand how it, how it worked with my worldview, you know, sort of my natural worldview. I didn't understand how this supernatural um, uh, spirit was supposed to work. <clears throat> so for a little bit, I, I tried to sort of... I wouldn't say ignore, but, but not really, um, uh, well, I suppose ignore a bit, the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and I thought that was okay. But as I started to read the Bible and I started to understand more, and I started to see more about how the Holy Spirit is woven through absolutely everything, uh, then, uh, then I started to realize that you can't have the Father and the Son without the Holy Spirit. Yeah. All three are fully and equally God. That's our Trinitarian God of the Bible. More on that if you come into our doctrine uh, <clears throat> course next week. Shameless plug there. So, uh, so to understand more of how the Holy Spirit uh, works and is woven throughout, uh, throughout creation. I think it's amazing. So we're starting off uh, in, uh, in Romans chapter 8. And verse 9. So uh, so Romans, as as we know, is the letter uh, that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. And chapter chapter 8 from verse 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. now the first thing that i think it's important to acknowledge here is that there are two opposing natures that we're that that we're dealing with here and we've talked about this in the past and we've talked about it in connect groups as well so we have the nature of flesh and we have the nature of the spirit and uh and and we 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 can uh, we can see the nature of the flesh fairly easily we're all fleshy people aren't we there's flesh Right there. Big bags of meat is what we are. Just a lovely way to describe us. Uh, but we're all, we're all fleshy people and we can see the flesh. And we have our fleshly desires. and uh, natural, you know, sort of uh, ways of the flesh, as it were. Uh, but then we also have the spirit. We have God's spirit in us. And, uh, and the ways and the wills and the desires of God for our life in us. And these two uh, natures are sort of a conflict. Yeah? Because... Um, what the flesh desires is not always what God has in mind for us. And this really comes to a head when uh, when we know what God wants for us, and we know what we should be doing according to the Spirit, but we choose not to anyway. We choose not to do that. We choose to go with what the flesh wants. And I think Paul... Uh, sums it up actually pretty perfectly okay a bit earlier on in the book of uh, Romans 7:15, where he says I do not understand what I do for what I want to do I do not do but what I hate I do does anyone else yeah. res- that resonate with them I know it does me. I know it does, you know, Paul said, I don't know what Paul's talking about specifically there, but he's saying, you know, I, I know what I should do. I know what I should do, but I'm not doing it. But I am doing what I know I shouldn't do. And, and you know, I feel like this is a daily struggle that we all have. Uh, and if, if anyone says they don't have that struggle, if you could talk to me at the end and tell me how, that'd be great. Uh, but I think most of us have this, this daily struggle, you know? I know God wants this for me but I want this. I know I should be kind to this person who's just been mean to me, but I don't want to because they've been mean to me. I know I shouldn't sleep with my girlfriend or whatever before we're married, but I'm going to because the flesh desires what the flesh desires. And ultimately, we make the final decisions. We always make the final decisions. God doesn't control us. We're not robots. We're not, you know, there's no remote control that he's got. We, we make the decisions. God guides us. God steers us. And God tells us what's right and what's wrong through his Bible and, and, and by the Holy Spirit. But ultimately, we make the final decisions. And, uh, and it's not really until we start to allow the Spirit of God to have a louder voice in our lives than, uh, than the voice of the flesh that we really will start to see transformation, first in ourselves and then outwardly into our town and into our world as well. And, uh, and so that's, that's where we're going with this today. Now, as you, uh, as you can probably imagine, I've got a number of points Uh, four, in fact. And what I'll do is I'll tell you the points ahead of time uh, this time, which is quite weird, isn't it? I thought I'd mix it up a bit. Uh, So so the points points are these. We're going to talk about the indwelling spirit. We're going to talk about the identifying spirit. We're going to talk about the invigorating spirit. And we're going to talk about the immortalizing spirit. And for each of these points, as I was reading through the the scripture that that we find in uh, that Paul wrote, To me, a a character, a person from the Bible came to mind, and so we're going to see how the Holy Spirit worked through different people uh, to to, to characterize what Paul is talking about. Is that okay? That is good news. So here we go, starting from the beginning. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, let's just pause for a sec, because I believe that this requires some explanation. Because Paul's talking about us being in the Spirit, isn't he? But he's also talking about the Spirit being in us. Now, how do you have something inside something, which is itself, in the first thing? It's confusing. Which is it, Paul? Surely it can't be both. And, uh, and to try and demonstrate uh, this, this uh, relationship between us and the Spirit, I've got some props And these are uh, Chinese takeaway containers that happen to to be an abundant supply at our house. (laughs) So uh, so I've got these two containers. And Bryn, if you could just come up here. And what I'd like you to do for us is just demonstrate using these two containers. If you come here, if you could just demonstrate, you can probably hold them if you like. Um, So first, Paul says, I'll read it again. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Okay, so if you can get me, I should say, there's one that represents me, a little picture of me. <laughs> and then there's one that represents the spirit there, and that's a dove. It's a dove, as everyone knows. Uh, so, Bryn, if what, you, what you could do is, if you can, first of all, put um, me in the spirit. Can we do that? Me in the spirit. Okay, so I've nailed that. Easy. Now, what I'd like to do, Bryn, because Paul next goes to say um, that the spirit of God dwells in in you as well in me. So if you could do that for me. Mm. No, see what, uh, what you've done there. I had this problem at home as well. See what you've done there is, is you've done that, but you've taken um, you've taken me out of the spirit. Yeah. So if you could just do both at the same time. No, just both at the same time. Uh, I had this problem. I had this problem. I thought because you went to Bible college, you'd be able to. <laughs> what can you do? Never mind. So uh, so I tried to get this to work, contort the uh, containers to do that, and it turns out it's impossible. So I thought I'd take a walk uh, by the river, by our house, uh, to try and clear my head on this and try and understand what's Paul talking about here, how can I explain this? And uh, and in the river, as I was was walking past in the river, I uh, I noticed a, uh, a, a bottle of water, very similar, in fact, to this one. Bottle of water, and it was bubbling along in the river, And and as it was in the river, the top was off, much like this one, and, uh, and some of the water from the river was also in the bottle. Okay, so we have a situation whereby the bottle is bobbling along in the water, the bottle is in the river, but the river is in the bottle as well. And I thought, well, hey... That is a great way to describe, I believe, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. We are in the Spirit, but the Spirit is also in us. And as the bottle bobbed along in the water, it was taken in the current. It was guided and directed by the river where the river was going. And uh, when it says here about being uh, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, that is to be swayed by the spirit. John Piper, uh, who's a famous theologian, uh, explains it as to be swayed by the spirit and to be guided by the spirit. So that's, uh, that's a little, um, a little uh, illustration for you, which I think is quite good. Don't you? Oh, yeah. oh, thanks very much, thanks very much. <laughs> So, uh, so we're talking about the spirit being in us, the indwelling spirit, first off. And, uh, and I thought, well, what better uh, person could I think of in, in the Bible uh, to illustrate an indwelling spirit than King David? King David is a chap in the Bible. Now, he wasn't always king. Uh, in fact, he was at one point uh, a humble shepherd boy humble shepherd boy, and, uh, and he wasn't, he wasn't uh, king at all. And, uh, and one day, God said to a chap called Samuel, who was, um, who was a prophet of God, said to Samuel, Samuel, what I want you to do is I want you to go and find the next king. And uh, Samuel said, okay, I'll go and find the next king. And, uh, and God said, right, I want you to go to Bethlehem. When you get to Bethlehem, I will tell you who the king's going to be. Don't worry about that, I'll tell you. So uh, so, um, Samuel went to Bethlehem and he he went to this this household and uh, and he found the dads of the household and he said, right, um, one of your sons is gonna be king. If you could just get them up for me, line them up against that wall and uh, and what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pick the king and then anoint them with oil. So so he did that and all these lads are lined up at the wall and they're all you know, tall and muscular as you'd expect, looking quite kingly uh, or like they could be good kings. And Samuel went down the line and, uh, and as he went to each one, God said, no, it's not him, no, it's not him, it's not him, it's not him. So Samuel got to the end of the line, and, uh, and he was like, well, there's no one left. Uh, so he said, to, he said to dad, he said, hey, are there any more? Because God said, it's none of these guys, it's none of these guys here. And, uh, and dad said, well, yeah, there is, there's this one guy, but, you know, small and scrawny. We left him in the field, we didn't even ask him to come. Um, so Samuel said, right, go and get him. Go and get him. So they went to they they went to get uh, get him. His name was David, as you'd expect. And uh, so they went to get David. And uh, and this this is this is an amazing thing because uh, they, they anointed Samuel anointed David as king. And uh, and in this moment, God says uh, God says this. Um, as as Samuel was going down the line, dismissing the the kings or the not kings rather, uh, Samuel. God said this, do not consider the appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. Which is harsh. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. See, God wasn't interested in the fact that all these lads were tall and muscly, which is good. Um, God was interested in... Their hearts, okay. So, uh, so they got they got David. They anointed him with oil, and uh, and then. Uh, um and then uh, 1 Samuel 16, 13 says, from that day, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And I think this is an amazing story of how God uses unlikely people. a yeah. Bit of a side note. It's an amazing story of how God uses unlikely people. Now I've been in a situation uh, before whereby I've been in a line against a wall and, um, and in, in a PE uh, situation at school. And I've been in that line and, um, and I know what it's like to be picked last and I even know what it's like to, if there are an odd number of people, I know what it's like um, to be picked last to be the referee, which is interesting because I don't know anything about any rules of any sport. But, uh, but I know what that's like. But what I don't know is what it's like to uh, be told you don't even need to bother turning up to the line. And David knows what that's like. But David, uh, David went on to be an amazing king of, uh, of Israel. See, First, he, uh, he, he served the current king. Um, and uh, and, and he, he did that faithfully. Uh, he played the harp, in fact, which is cool, isn't it? So, um, so he served the current king, and he, um, he, he slayed Goliath. We all know that story. And then he became the king. He wrote 73 of the 150 Psalms uh, in, uh, in the Bible. Most of them are about his trials and about his enemies and about how his life was actually not really going to plan. But always, in the end, he trusts in God and he says, hey, God, even though all this stuff's happening, I've got you. And, uh, and that's an amazing testimony. David also pretty much established Jerusalem as almost the capital city of the kingdom of God on earth. Uh, David uh, uh, drew, drew up the plans and brought the materials together uh, to build the first temple in Jerusalem. David went on to be an amazing king, not by his own strength, but by the power of the Holy Spirit working through him. Which, uh, which is an amazing story and an amazing testimony to the power of the Holy Spirit to take someone who everyone thought was useful. Useless, didn't even bother asking them to come up uh, to, to be picked from, and yet God uh, turns uh, David into one of the most uh, um, influential kings in the Bible, which is uh, which is awesome. Now, David made mistakes, as we know, don't we? Uh, well, some of us know if uh, if you've read some of the mistakes he made. David made some mistakes. Some serious mistakes, because David too, just like us, was human, and David too, just like us, has his battle between flesh and spirit, and sometimes flesh won out, um, and that, that happens. But uh, but but at the end, at the end, um, we we read this of David, and I think this is awesome. Okay, this is actually in Acts 13:22, when God uh, God has said of David, "I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart." A man after my own heart. Wow, what it would be uh, for God to be able to say of us, to be able to say of me, he's a man after my own heart. So my questions, uh, my questions today on, uh, on the indwelling spirit, my challenges to you are, are you truly living in the spirit today? Are you in the spirit? Are you allowing yourself to be guided and directed by the Spirit? Does the the Spirit of God have the loudest voice in your life? Are you a man or a woman after God's own heart? Challenges. So moving on with with Paul's uh, letter. um, Paul writes, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So now we're talking about the identifying spirit. And uh, so what does it really mean to belong to God, do we think? What does it mean to belong to God? Well, in uh, 1 Corinthians 8, uh, it says, but whoever loves God is known by God. So to be known by God, we love God. And 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. So, so we're about righteousness. We don't like unrighteousness. So anyone, um, who, um, anyone who is known and belongs to God, firstly, God loves those who are loyal to him. And secondly, God hates unrighteousness. Now, did you know that there are very few people in, uh, that, that we know of for sure that are in heaven right now that are named in the Bible as being in heaven. Very few. One of those people is, uh, is a chap called Elijah. A chap called Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet of God, and, uh, and, and he was a courageous and a brave man of God. And we know uh, that he's in heaven right now. He was taken up, the Bible says, in a whirlwind, which is cool, isn't it? <laughs> he's taken up. While he's still alive, he was taken up uh, by a whirlwind into heaven. Now, there's this, there's, this, um, there's this incredible story uh, in, in, um, in the Bible about Elijah. Elijah at the time was one of the only prophets of God uh, that were around because a lot of them had been killed and persecuted and, 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 other, and other things. And the king at the time, the king of Israel, was a chap called Ahab. And Ahab had turned away. He'd gone a bit off the rails. He'd gone rogue. And he'd, uh, he'd turned away from God and he'd started to, uh, to worship uh, Baal. Ba- Baal, Baal, we'll call him Baal. It's spelled B-A-A-L. So we're going to say Baal. Bible college man of Greece. <laughs> <laughs> this, uh, this false god called Baal. And so Ahab was worshipping Baal. Uh, Elijah was staying loyal to, uh, to, to the God of the Bible. And, uh, and, and the, the, he was challenged by God to go uh, to see King Ahab and sort of challenge him. Challenge him. And so he did that. He went up, uh, he, went, he went to find King Ahab, and where Ahab was, there were 450 prophets, false prophets of the god Baal, and he's just one guy. Now, if that were me, I'd sort of maybe stay back a bit and, you know, don't really want to rock the boat too much, because I don't want to go up against 450 other guys that are saying a different thing to me, because uh, that sounds really scary, but not for Elijah. See, Elijah is courageous. And he hates unrighteousness. In fact, he challenges, um, he challenges Ahab. And he says, you have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. See, uh, Elijah can't handle unrighteousness. He hates wickedness. And, uh, and he, so he challenges Ahab. And there's this amazing uh, story uh, that plays out whereby... Uh, whereby he, he gets the, the, the Baal prophets and him, and they both get two altars, okay, with two bulls on the altars. And, uh, and he says to, to the prophets, he says, right, you're going to ask Baal, your God, to set your bull on fire, and I'm going to ask the God of the Bible, the one true God, uh, to set my bull on fire. And whoever's bull sets on fire, their God will be the one true God, okay? And the prophets of Baal are like, yeah, that sounds good, cool, we'll do that. So, uh, so they go first, and, uh, and these prophets of Baal, they're dancing around the, you know, the altar, and they're trying to get their God to, to set the bull on fire, and they're cutting themselves to sacrifice things. And, and you know, they're, they're trying to get this bull to light on fire, and it's not happening. And so Elijah's over here, and he's like, go on, why don't you shout a bit louder, shout a bit louder or something. And, <clears throat> you know, maybe he's traveling. Maybe he can't hear you. Maybe he's traveling. Shout louder. He's kind of getting a bit sarcastic, really, uh, which is, uh, you know... <laughs> funny and uh so anyway nothing happens and they're all a bit disappointed as you'd expect and then Elijah says okay my turn my turn my turn <clears throat> and uh and so so Elijah says right before before I ask God to set my bull on fire what I want you to do is uh, pour water on it why don't we make this interesting at this point pour water all over the bull all over the bull so they're doing this and, <laughs> and they're like okay tipping water on the bull and then Elijah asks God to set his bull on fire and in that moment, God um, sets his bull on fire. And so at this time, uh, we have this situation where by all the people around, they see what's happening. And they're like, oh, right, okay, we've made some mistakes here. We've made some mistakes here. But I think it's amazing how, uh, how in, the, in the face of great uh, adversary, <clears throat> but through the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, we, see, uh, we see this amazing loyalty to God from Elijah. And this this amazing disdain for unrighteousness. So my challenge today on that is, um, can that be said of us? Do we disdain unrighteousness? You know, there's this this great bit. Again, this is a side note. I should stop doing this. Uh, There's there's this, uh, just just towards the end, just before Elijah is taken up uh, by a whirlwind into heaven. He's got this chap with him called Elisha. Okay, it's Elisha and Elijah, right? So Elijah is the prophet with the bulls. And Elisha is, he's going to be a prophet, but at this time he's sort of like an apprentice. Um, and, uh, and Elisha says to Elijah, okay, before you get taken up to heaven, can I have a, a double portion of your spirit? Can I have a double portion of what you've got? Now, how amazing would it be for people to say that of us? Hey, what you've got, I recognize that in you. Spirit of God in you, working through you. I want that. I want that but times two. Can people say that of us? I don't know. Maybe. Moving on with, uh, with Paul's writings in Romans then. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit, the Holy Spirit, spirit of God is a life-giving spirit. It's a life-giving spirit. It's a strong and energy-bringing spirit. It's an invigorating spirit. Did you know that there are four kinds of death? A bit morbid this bit. I know, sorry. Four kinds of death that the Bible speaks about. The first... The first is uh, the death when we are not yet Christians. Okay, so people that don't yet know Jesus are dead, uh, sort of uh, inside. They're, they're, they're dead, they're, uh, they, don't, they have no connection with God. So they're dead. The second type of death is, um, <clears throat> is death in our spiritual lives. Okay, so, uh, so we can be dead, uh, we, we can know Jesus, we can have that relationship with him, but inside, you know, we're not really uh, walking by his ways, we don't really have a strong relationship with him. We, we, we know him, we're saved by his grace, but we're dead in our spiritual lives. And uh, interestingly, in Ephesians 5.15 says, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So I kind of feel like this spiritual uh, death is is like being asleep. You're not dead, but you're asleep and you're not living to the full potential of what God has for us. The third type of death is our natural death. So we all have this. So uh, when it comes to the end of our lives, we will all die. That's a human condition. Uh, We are subject to a natural death. And then the fourth kind of death is our eternal death. And we have an eternal death if we are not saved by the grace of um, Jesus. We will die, and our eternal death is an eternal separation from God. Now, uh, we are saved as Christians. We are saved, uh, firstly, from a not-yet-Christian death, the first type of death, because we know Jesus. We are also saved from an eternal death, which we are promised, because we know Jesus. And we may even be saved, maybe, from a natural death, <clears throat> if, uh, if Jesus comes back uh, to, uh, to, to the world before uh, we die naturally, then we won't have to die naturally, the Bible says. <clears throat> so, we, we, so we're saved from some kinds of death. But the second type of death is what we have to watch out for, being dead in our spiritual lives. See, as Christians, we are called to bring life and light to everywhere we go. And how can we do that, church, if we are dead in our spiritual lives? We need an invigorating spirit to invigorate us and transform us first. Now, uh, I can't think of a better example of a life-giving spirit in the Bible than the story of Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was a chap, uh, again, in the Old Testament, and he, um, he was the cupbearer to the king, which meant that he, ha- he gave the cup to the king. That, I mean, that's what you do as a cupbearer. You taste it as well to see if it's okay. And you're the first to die if it's poisoned, <clears throat> which is cool. So Nehemiah was cupbearer to the king. And uh, one day as he was doing that, he learnt that Israel, uh, sorry, that Jerusalem, the walls around Jerusalem were, <clears throat> were still broken. See, there had been a time in the, in the, in the history where, um, where Jerusalem um, had been uh, invaded and, uh, and uh, they'd, they'd taken the Jews away uh, into exile uh, um, and, uh, and they left Jerusalem a bit of a mess. Uh, since then, they tried to rebuild the temple a little bit in Jerusalem, uh, but they'd done a really bad job. Uh, and, uh, and even so, the walls around Jerusalem were, were broken. And in those times, the wall around the city was, uh, was really important for its, uh, for its uh, stamps and impact. That was like the health of the, the, the city. And these, these walls were, uh, were, were lying in ruins. So, so Nehemiah's really upset about this. He's really upset because this, this is, his, this is his, his sort of his home city almost. And, uh, and so God puts it on his heart and he's really upset. Um, you know, this city that was once filled of life is now not. It's not operating where it should be. So God puts it on his heart to go and rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. So he asked the king if he can have a few days off <clears throat> from his job And uh, and, and the king grants the the request. So Nehemiah goes and he gathers together tribes and families from around uh, around Israel. And uh, through an amazing feat of leadership and godliness, they rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. And, uh, And after doing that, he starts to put back into place some of the practices and traditions that God had laid out for them in the book of Moses. So um, suddenly we have this situation where life is breathed back into this city by the Holy Spirit through what Nehemiah is doing. How amazing is that? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah. To be able to breathe life back into this city (coughs) sorry that was dead and through the power of the Holy Spirit Spirit, to have life breathed back into the city. Wow. So my challenge for you on that is do you bring life where you go? Do you breathe life into the city? We're in a town, but same thing. <clears throat> so finally then, carrying on with, uh, with Paul's writings in Romans. <clears throat> if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies <clears throat> through his spirit who dwells in you. So we're talking about resurrection. We're talking about the immortalizing spirit. We're talking about uh, putting an end to this eternal death that we spoke about earlier. Wow. And what better person who characterizes the immortalizing spirit than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ, uh, the uh, God became man. Dwelt among us for 30 years. uh, Went uh, to the cross willingly to die for all of our sins was taken down from the cross and put in a tomb sealed for three days after which the Holy Spirit rose him again from the dead, mm. putting an end to death. Yes. Come on. <clears throat> this immortalizing spirit. And Paul was saying, hey, that same spirit, that same resurrection that Jesus has is for you as well. Yes. That same resurrection that Jesus has yes. is for us as well. Come on. <clears throat> I'll do my own claps. I'll start the clap if no one else is going to. It's fine. So this same power then, this same power that, uh, that worked through Elijah, that worked through, uh, through David, that worked through Nehemiah, that rose Jesus from the dead, this same power uh, that came upon the, uh, the apostles in the upper room at Pentecost in, uh, in tongues of fire, the Bible says, this same power is available to us now, today, to breathe life, to bring light, and to go out to where we go. And uh, so, so I got thinking about this, and then I thought, well, okay, that's, that's all good head knowledge, but we're not talking about head knowledge. Yeah. Head knowledge, in a way, is almost entirely useless. Um, it's good to know, but if we're not sort of doing anything about it, you might as well just not know it, really. Um, <clears throat> so what do we do? Well, we pray, and, and, and I think it's, it's really interesting that, uh, that Liv, um, we, we, we prayed the, uh, the Lord's Prayer together today. And um, I didn't know Liv was going to do that. But interestingly, uh, God did. Uh, and so, because I, I, I was thinking about the Lord's Prayer and how that works. And when we pray that and we say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I sort of got thinking, I thought, well, okay. When we pray thy kingdom come on earth, what do we mean by that? What do we expect to happen? Do we expect everyone in Newark will suddenly know Jesus straight away and we'll all sort of gather around and sing Kumbaya together? Because I believe that God can do that, but I don't think he will. And because the the reason I don't think he will is because God uses people and he uses us. And as we've talked about, uh, um, God uses people and he uses his Holy Spirit through people to impact lives and impact a generation. So when we're praying thy kingdom come on earth, I think we also need to be praying thy kingdom come, thy will be done in me. In me first. Transform me first. And then we as a church will go out and transform by his Holy Spirit our town, and where we go. Now, there are two main ways that the Holy Spirit works through us. Two main ways. There are sort of other ways. Two main ways. The first way is that he gives us the gifts of the Spirit. The second way is that we have the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are these, the words of wisdom, words of knowledge, uh, the gift of faith, The gift of healing, the gift of working miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of discerning spirits, the gift of speaking in different tongues, and then the interpretation of those kinds of tongues. And sadly, because I've run over time, um, we can't go into specifics on each of those gifts. But I will say this about gifts. Gifts are a funny thing, because we can often say when somebody's gifted at something, we just assume it comes naturally to them, don't we? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we can all say that um, Ollie is a gifted guitarist. Okay? Now, Ollie is a gifted guitarist, and we'd say that. I would say that anyway. I think you're a gifted guitarist, mate. <laughs> but Ollie did not come out of the womb with a guitar singing How Great Thou Art. <clears throat> I don't think. I wasn't there. But I don't think he did. Ollie is a gifted guitarist, he's gifted in that area, but Ollie has put in practice, he's put in time, he's put in perseverance to take his gift and use it. And I think it's the same with the gifts of the Spirit. God gives his gifts and I believe that there are people in this room that have been given gifts by God, these same gifts of the Spirit by God. And it's not until we start to uh, practice them, persevere with them put the time and the effort and the energy in to uh, until we will be able to utilize these gifts properly how god intended and we'll get it wrong oh we'll get it wrong we'll get it wrong okay every, just like every time ollie hits a bum note on the guitar still happens now <laughs> <clears throat> still happens <laughs> please don't go uh, but uh, but we'll get it wrong But it's only through perseverance and through not giving up and through asking for God's help that we will uh, be able to utilize these these spiritual gifts that God gives us freely, properly. The second main way that the Holy Spirit works through us is by the fruit of the Spirit. Now the fruit of the Spirit are these. We've got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And these really are the evidence of uh, of the Spirit of God in us. Yeah. They are the evidence. If you would say, "Well, how, how do you know that they've got God?" Well, they should be um, they should be uh, showing, bearing the fruit of the Spirit. <clears throat> and then you might say, "Well, that's that's great, but I don't need the Holy Spirit to love someone or to be kind to someone." And no, most of the time we don't. Most of the time we don't. But we're talking about this battle between flesh and spirit again. Most of the time, we don't need the Holy Spirit to be kind. But sometimes we do. See, sometimes when the world and everything around us and our fleshly desires and and what's going on and and nature says that we should hate, (coughs) we instead, through the power of the Spirit, love. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? When the flesh says despair, the spirit says joy. When the flesh says conflict, the spirit says peace. When the flesh says agitation, the spirit says patience. When the flesh says cruelty, the spirit says kindness. When the flesh says wickedness, the spirit says goodness. When the flesh says uncertainty, the spirit says faithfulness. When the flesh says brutality, the spirit says gentleness. And when the flesh says intemperance, the spirit says self-control. It's not when it's easy, it's when it's hard. And it's only by the evidence, it's only by the fruit of the spirit uh, bearing bearing in our lives that we will start to see our world transformed. That's what I believe. I strongly believe we take these fruit out to the world. I strongly believe that we act in this way. I strongly believe that heads will turn because it's weird, church. It's weird because out there, out there in the world, you know, where we're divided over Donald Trump and Brexit and every other division under the sun, and where, where hatred and, uh, and agitation and cruelty are the order of the day, the Spirit says love, the Spirit says joy, the Spirit says kindness, not by our own... Uh, power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's when we start to uh, start to bear this fruit in our lives, we will see transformation in, uh, first in ourselves and then out into the world in which we live. And then, and then, people will say, I believe. Just like Elisha said of Elijah, people will see uh, the Holy Spirit working through us and they'll say, hey, I want a double portion of that. I want what they've got, but I want it times two. And what do we do at that point? We point them straight to Jesus. We point them straight to a relationship with the risen God. I can't wait. I just I can't wait to see what God's going to do. What God is already doing. What we see on a daily basis. And church, you know, I feel like, uh, like we need to be a church that overflows with the Spirit. A church that is ready to, uh, to take hold of what the Spirit has for us. The Bible says it's, that it's by the overflow of the Spirit that the mouth speaks. By the overflow of the heart, sorry, the mouth speaks. So if we're overflowing with the Spirit, that is what's going to come out. So I have a question for every, for every one of us today, and it's this. Do we want more of the Holy Spirit? Do we want more of the wondrous gifts that the Spirit has for us? In our lives? Do we want to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit more? Why don't we stand? And I want to ask this if there's anyone in this place that wants more of the Holy Spirit today, if there's anyone in this place that that wants uh, more of that, more of the transforming power of the Spirit, who wants to operate in the spiritual gifts more, who wants to bear the fruit of the Spirit more I'd like you to raise your hand because that's me that's me It's a lot of people I was going to do an altar call thing I was going to do a thing where we invite people to the front if there was one or two this is everyone in this place wow, now I don't know what to do we're going to do it anyway can we get some people, can we get the prayer team can we get the ministry team can we get the team and if you want more of the Holy Spirit today, what we're going to do is we're going to pray for you individually. I was going to pray uh, as a, as a, you know, over everybody, but what we're going to do is we're going to pray individually. So if that's you, I want you to come to the front. And I know that's you because everybody in this room pretty much put their hands up. So don't back out now, church. What we're going to do is we're going to anoint with oil. Just like, uh, just like King David was anointed with oil. We're going to invite more of the Holy Spirit into this church to be overthrowing with the Spirit, that people might recognise us by the Spirit. Wow! What a uh, what a what a what a time of. Of being in God's presence, and um, feel like it's, uh, it's 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 great that uh, that on this day, on the day of Pentecost, is a day when uh, when we as a church are asking for more, more of Your Holy Spirit, God. And uh, you know, there might be some people in this place who um, who who for them, you know, don't really know what's going on, don't really understand the thing, or whatever. I don't know Jesus yet. Don't have that relationship with Jesus. And uh, <clears throat> and um, we like to do something every week. We give the opportunity uh, for people, uh, for anybody, to come into a relationship with Jesus for the first time. And we pray this prayer together as a church. Everyone says this prayer together. And we say that if this is your first time saying that prayer today, then uh, and you mean it in your heart, and then uh, I'm going to invite you to, to raise your hand after we've prayed this. So let's, let's pray this now. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.